Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and variations thereupon. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs. That's right, providing high-performing teams for distributed agile development. And this episode is a special one. In fact, it's what we're calling client confessions. Hmm, interesting, huh? Where we get current or previous clients of IT Labs to come and talk about their projects, their businesses, and where they are with it. And of course, other interesting stuff that we can throw into the mix. And your host today is moi, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, CTO. I've been spending my life talking for Great Britain, and now I am honoured to be talking for IT Labs as well. Alongside talking, I'm also IT Labs Agile Warrior, working to inject agile values and principles into everything we do here. And as mentioned, this is a client confessions podcast with a previous client of IT Labs. My guests are Ben Miller and Katie Craver from Donor Trends. And the title for today's chit chat is Donor Trends Success Story from Innovation to Conception and Lovely Happy Exit. Hmm, that's interesting. That was my attempt at doing a Yoda impression. And as you can see, I need to keep working on that. Anyway, our guests are here. Welcome, Ben Miller and Katie Craver to the show. And uh, we're really looking forward to hearing more about uh, the work that you do and uh, the work that you've done with IT Labs in particular. So before we start, um, let's start with some introductions of who you are and what you do. Sure. So thank you. And we're glad to be here. This is Ben Miller. And um, I was the chief analytic officer at Donor Trends, or still am. And uh, my partner in crime is Katie Craver. I'll turn it to her. But I, I'm sort of the math behind what we've done. And Katie's the sizzle. So <laughs> should we put that on my business cards? You know, I like that. Uh, well, thank you so much for having us. I'm Katie Craver, CEO of Donor Trends. And Ben and I had a big vision to bring math and science-based uh, tools to fundraisers in the nonprofit sector to help them raise more money to fuel their important missions. Cool. And we were able to accomplish that big goal with, and wouldn't be able to have done it without IT Labs. Wow. We'll get into that more. Sure, yes. And, and uh, as I've mentioned uh, off, off the call, I'm fascinated with maths. I, I love maths. I'm not very good at it, I have to admit. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting how you applied. So, so the industry that you're working in is in the um, non-profits. That's correct. In the United States, we rely heavily on our non-profit community to provide social services, to protect you know, beans with two and four legs and fins, you know, oh, wow. protecting the world. But unlike some socialist countries where the government provides, you know, needed services, we re rely really heavily in this country on nonprofit. And the way the majority of these organizations raise money is through individuals like the three of us contributing $20, $100, 500 pounds to help fuel 
those missions. Mm-hmm. Yes, and they yeah. they need a better way. If the primary way that organizations communicate, although it's been shifting over the past fifteen years, is through mail. So if you have to mail something to somebody, it's costly. And in the seventies and the eighties, when direct response marketing was first being used and picking up, it was less costly. Now organizations have to be very specific with their marketing strategies and targeting the right donors at the right time so they don't waste money. Right. And our goal was to bring math-based solutions to take that guesswork of who to target. It's commonly used in the commercial space. So, uh, you know, understanding who to contact and how often is is not something that's brand new, but developing a solution to make it easy for fundraisers to understand. Yes. Um, you know, as you know, these nonprofits don't have a a ton of time. They have very very slim budgets. So one person might be doing 15 people's jobs. So to be wow. able to develop a software that could help them do their jobs better and faster and make it easy was such a big goal. I'm very proud of our team. Yeah, um, it's pretty pretty impressive stuff. So so how did you? So we've got a mathematician. Uh, mathematician mm-hmm. meets. Uh, what did you call? What did you call Katie? Um, well, I jokingly called her the sizzle, but you know, the truth is, Katie um, it, one has a tremendous background in fundraising. But the, I think part of the magic of what we've been able to accomplish has been bringing people together that have unique uh, skill sets. So, if you let me, a mathematician, do everything, you would find a lot of tables and numbers and charts and and it, yeah, and and I would be very happy with the end product and look at how awesome this is um but it, it takes and then but bringing someone like katie who can take a very complicated in, information and and communicate it to anybody in a such a, and, and it's visualize it in such a way um and, and then to have it labs uh be able to implement that uh the, the, to basically bring it to life the, the bringing that sort of three-legged stool, if you will, together, I think was really, really remarkable. That's right. Ben's math brain is unbelievable. I call myself the Sesame Street of analytics. <laughs> um, unless there's a number in a colored box, my brain can't process it. So Ben's brain can take a ton of raw data and see patterns. It's like a beautiful mind. He can assess all of this stuff very quickly. For my brain, and I assume a lot of the other brains out there, numbers and big data is really scary. But yet, we yeah. all have to be making these business decisions based on big data. And so, how do we bring complex data stuff and make it easier for the brain to digest so you can make those decisions? Um, and, but that was like Ben saying, that was only two parts of the three-part equation because yes. to be able to scale this and put it in the cloud so we can, but before we um, connected with IT labs, we were doing all of these processing manually. So you can only grow a company so big if it's a couple of people processing jobs. And so wow. we had a real business need. If we wanted to grow where we were trying to go, then we needed to scale this and put it into a, a software and we wouldn't that wouldn't have been possible with our skill sets as ben wow. and i like to say to our to it labs team there is nothing technical about us 
and they really helped navigate this whole process wow. on a very tight budget. I would say, I know that they work with really big companies, but Ben and I paid for this out of our pockets. As we grew our business, we invested in the software. So there was no outside big funding coming in to build this huge software. IT labs really had to work with us and our lack of technical skill set for sure. Wow. That's good. I mean, that sounds, uh, yes, it, I kind of imagine this kind of romantic meeting of, of, uh, of, Oh, it sounds a bit bizarre, this, but three, you know, three people coming together uh, to to kind of ma make it happen. That's that's wonderful. So, so in terms of um, t taking a step back before IT Labs came into it, so how did you do? You, did was you working together to to try and find a solution, or what was so that? We we were like I was doing a lot of this on my computer, and you know, Katie would would take take like I said, she would take these complex metrics and numbers and make them really shine and we would we, so we produced a lot of stuff but it was manual it's very manual we used to run the reports that are now automatic i would run a bunch of numbers i would send an excel doc you know to to, to katie with with all these different bits of information and she would then connect that to you know some powerpoint that we had put together i mean it was we we had we did what we could with what we had um, and it was labor intensive, but we were still able to, you know, service a fair number of clients. Um, yes. But it, it wasn't until we were able to automate it and put it on the cloud that we were able to really scale. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious as to what that kind of time scale of that manual process was. We oh, we went in, in, in currently in the industry, one of the products that we serve up right now on the platform, people might wait three weeks to two months for an analysis of their fundraising or marketing program uh, that can be done on the platform in less than 10 minutes. Wow. And it's self-serve. Yeah. One of our goals was the whole, you know, kind of give a man or a woman the fishing pole and teach them how to fish <laughs> yes. and kind of thing because often what happens when these big analysis come back is you see something glaringly wrong with the initial data set. And yes. so if you've had to wait eight weeks for a report and you get the report and turn to page two and it's like, wait a minute, that's not what my revenue was. Then you yes. have to start all over. Oh, if man. you can put that data into the system, get your big report back in 10 minutes, you can quickly assess if there's a problem. And if there is, then in 20 minutes, you'll have a new report. Yeah. Um, so really revolutionized. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, if, if I could scream wow right now really loud, you know, I would, but probably wouldn't. Well, let's do it. We're in quarantine. Yeah, everything, <laughs> goes, everything goes. So, yeah, I am. Um, and in terms, I'm curious as to, you know, the, the speed at which you turn this around in terms of the quality of the data um, and knowing if something wasn't quite right, you'd be able to turn that around quickly. Um, one of the things I, I've found in the past when I have worked with big data and uh, and I, I explained to Ben on a previous call, um, I actually, I think I went curly at the edges and actually broke down, malfunctioned because <laughs> my brain cannot, like yourself, Katie, cannot deal with large amounts of data. Um, um, the, the worry that I have is that people are going to make decisions off this stuff, you know, yes. especially in the kind of, and, and uh, if the quality of the data isn't very good and you're abstracting it and then abstracting it again, I mean, it's just basically, I can't use the terminology that I would normally use here um, because we're trying to keep the uh, conversation clean. But you're making <laughs> you're making decisions on on not very good stuff, you know. That's right, rubbish in, rubbish out. Absolutely, you know. And so, how did you how did you overcome that? Is that that feedback loop? You kind of 
have a feedback loop of some sort to clarify. I'll say for me, like, you know, it's been a long road, right? I mean, when I, I remember it was like maybe 15 years ago, I had done an analysis for a large mailer. They're about to spend $8 million on um, a mailing. And, you know, that was a lot of money. And I had through a small test realized that they could have saved, you know, $2 million without impacting results. And I was advocating for them to you know, roll out with it is what they call it, you know, so go from 250,000 to 16 million. And wow. uh, I was very scared <laughs> because, you know, I was using the math that I had learned and said, okay, yeah, th this is what the math shows. But in any, any math equation, there's always variance. And it's very possible that you could find that this one mailing or this one time, it just didn't work. But I, I had to stand with, with the science and I had to stand with the data and that first little, st I remember that was one of the biggest first decisions I ever made. And when that came back successful, it gave me the confidence that, you know what, you, know, you got to kind of just trust the data and, and just tell people the truth. And if you say there is a chance that there might, you know, and I would always just caveat, there's always a chance, you know, I mean, it's just, you see this right now with, with the virus going around the world, you know, all these estimates, they, they say, well, it could be between here and there, right? I mean, no one knows where things are going to end up. It's only a guess. And I don't know, I guess I eventually got comfortable with guessing. <laughs> well, that makes me feel very reassured. Were you rolling dice <laughs> over there, Ben? I thought there was like science behind this. Oh, yes, no. well, yes. Right. I mean, very <laughs> educated guesses, but yes, the guesses nonetheless. Guesstimations. What was that word? Guesstimations. Um, and this is very in the weeds, but to talk a little bit about big data, one of the values that IT Labs brought to our process, Donor Trends has made the intake of data, so the data that clients have to upload into the system, and the choices that they have on our platform, we've really limited both the input and been able to track when errors are happening, try to mitigate some of those big data issues. So if we can control the information coming in, be alerted if there are problems with that input data and minimize the choices of the users. I think it's helped to make the system really easy to use and very accurate because we are thinking about all of those points and IT Labs has really helped with that. Fantastic. Yeah, thanks for keeping it on point, Katie, because I went off on a tangent, but you're absolutely right. The, the feedback loop is there, and that is exactly the, what, you, what you had asked. Yes, I mean, there are metrics that are reported right back right away. Right and away. It provides, and it provides that feedback that is needed so that they can tell whether things look odd or not. And and the interesting thing about all this is it's self-service. You, you're not, uh, once you've got the system set up, it's uh, free running, you know? I imagine it is it's we call it DIY so they can do it themselves or FYI we can do it for you although or D just DIM uh, um, whatever it is now we really try to put now we really try to push people to learn it's such an easy system to learn to learn it themselves and be able to do it as we know there are some people that just want you to do their work for them so yes this system has also helped our data services team run things in a fraction of the time that they used to yeah yeah and and does the um i've not seen the tool myself uh, i have to confess uh, um, it d does the tool allow the users the diy users to innovate the way they they process is it uh, or is it a kind of fixed process for them it is a fixed process however it is a process that is usually an innovation from what they're doing 
and it, right. can, it, it, it can be inserted into their process, right? Cool. So like while it's fairly rigid in that we made decisions, you know, along the way to make it fast and, and uh, but it is bringing like state-of-the-art technology to nonprofits, you know, small, even with just like, several hundred people or several hundred donors are able to come in and use this at a fraction of the cost. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, great. That's great. And and in terms of, um, I've got a note here around artificial intelligence. Does this process uh, use any kind of machine learning of sorts? It it does, but it's not in the the, the way that the sort of sector has defines it. Um, you know, that's part of the magic of the three the three of us coming together. Uh, basically, we're not using. Um, you know, these humongous, timely or expensive processes. Instead, we took uh, some machine learning algorithms, we optimized and we have provided back to the user a optimal audience selection with projections. And it's my favorite tool. You know, Kate, I don't know how you feel about it, but I I love it. I mean, it it really has revolutionized the way uh, people can identify their audience. Yes. Wow, that's impressive. I mean, that's uh, and and I, I guess this kind of feeds directly into uh, what these um, nonprofits are able to then bring in. You know, as it as it had a direct impact on on, on their. I, I don't want to use the word bottom line because that's not what it's about, but it's their, yeah, their income for them. I mean, it's a, we'll see seventeen percent increases in net revenue, usually a five to one, seven to one ROI on using the donor trans tool. Wow. The can identify donors to upgrade a lot more easy. So, you know, the donor who's giving you a hundred, who you should be asking for 500 and protecting their donor file sizes, you know, just like in any kind of business wow. customer retention or donor retention is never a hundred percent. Nonprofits usually lose about a half or more of their active donors every year. So understanding yes. where your donors, how many are coming in, how many are leaving and how to protect your file is so important. So giving these tools to them to be able to identify those trends and then act on the intelligence. Actionable data is a big part of what we do. So data is just data unless you can make some business decisions and act on it. Yep. Absolutely. It's not it's not an it's not it's not an output in itself. It, 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 there's got to be these outcomes exactly. that you want from it. To and be able that's to where we've used the AI is really about optimizing the outcome of a, of a specific effort. And so as Ben was saying, it's different from how the industry has kind of defined what ML or AI is. We've taken that yeah. science and applied it to the business outcome. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, it was all my thinking. Thank you very much. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I just want to kind of come back to uh, your kind of role in this, Katie, because uh, one of the things, uh, as I mentioned, I, I, my my eyes kind of go cross-eyed and uh, and I get all very confused when there's lots of lots of data. The visualization of of data is really really important. Um, I've seen some excellent infographics and 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 ways of representing data, which just gets your brain buzzing, yes. you know. Uh, innovating and, and also seeing ways forward. So have you always been good at that aspect of doing um, things? I think, I don't know if I've always been good at it, probably out of necessity in my own career to, when I was a fundraising consultant, we would just get reams and reams of paper of stats. 
and then have to sit in these client meetings for days. Sometimes I'm going through these reams of here's how many people <laughs> responded. Here's the average gift. Here's how much net per donor was achieved. And it was just a lot of looking at numbers without action. So how can we yes. explain what we're trying to tell the client and want them to understand? How can we explain that difference? So I think that it was probably out of necessity in my consulting role to just try different ways to explain. And I have four kids. And so as we know, anybody who has kids, they're all different types of learners. And one of my children's yes. big visual learners and i would also have to use tactile you know i would make them do a spelling words and applesauce or we would have to kind of communicate things in pictures he's just doesn't auditory learning isn't his thing so i think between my the younger kids and my consulting days just and how my brain interprets information as well like it info if it's not in a picture yes. or in a box i'm like hmm. my brain just shuts down it's it's too it's overloaded yes and the wonderful thing here is, is that through that pain of having to deal with that, you, you came up with a uh, an innovation from it. You know, it's interesting how how that uh, solution out of necessity became a revolution in, in what you right. do. And quite surprising, the the CRMs. You know, every on our reporting side of things, there's no metric that we're reporting that is not being calculated elsewhere. So how many donors retain or what the lifetime value of your donors are. That's those calculations are just calculations. And it's interesting that all of these CRMs are doing that. They have tons and tons of reporting, but it, it comes out in the same way that it did 20 years ago at the agency, just these raw data, maybe some donut graphs, bar charts, there's a visualization packages behind all of these CRMs, but they're horrible. Yes. You know, it's because you can tell the way these nonprofits can't interpret what is going on. And it tells me that those, it's not yes. effective. And I think where donor trend shines is we've really been able to curate what matters most and present that in a compelling way and not just a ton of data out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, when software engineers are, are asked to, uh, you know, the really technical uh, boys and girls are asked to create something visual. You know, um, they tend to make it highly, highly practical and functional. It doesn't quite work. I, I know because I did, I've been asked to do that in the past. <laughs> and, uh, it was a disaster. Yeah, but ask somebody who's visual <laughs> so to program that... something, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's good that we have people like yourself. And and again, this is... This is uh, interesting thing is you know without that aspect of it the visual side of it it probably wouldn't have been the success that it is and it's this kind of coming together of lots of different things and for it labs just to jump in on how vital they were on that they, you know because there's something technical about myself or ben in terms of how to take this what we've been doing manually and make it scalable they had to really work with some very raw i mean we're talking trying to turn powerpoints you know into some something that can be reproduced on the cloud on these crazy images you know so i give them a ton of credit for they you know they and they really wouldn't limit us they would just they would take our ideas or our mock-ups and find out the best solution at and most cost effective wow. yeah it really we wouldn't have been able to do it without them i think that's an important point to to point out like, is the incentive is different when you outsource this work the the incentive for IT labs is to provide what we want, right? They're not they're not incentivized by saying, oh well, you know that 
it would be much easier if we did it this way because I don't have to spend that much time. Whereas, you know, if you look at a software company, a lot of times the incentive of the engineering department or the programmers, you know, hey, we we got a lot of things on our roadmap. We, we, let's do the easiest or the, the most. And so what we were able to do is say, look, we want these numbers to be shown as a bucket. We don't want them to be shown as a, a, a pie chart. We don't want them as a... And by the way, you know, these the axis on the left and the right, they need to be this way because that's what it needs to show. And and it, rather than say to us, right. well, you know, this this library here, you know, get into the technical jargon, jargon, they gave us what we wanted. <laughs> and that was a big part of why we have what we have, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds very collaborative, very agile, in fact. You know, this kind of idea is this, you had this type feedback loop as to what do we want? This is, this is what you're going to get. And... Uh, yeah, I, I love that. And being able to b- grow with us. So I think when we had the, the bigger vision for the the whole platform early on and some other people we talked to, Ben, what were some of those quotes coming in? I mean, we were talking big money where we were like, whoa, we can't, never mind. Let's scale back a little bit and let's just start with <laughs> one report and our predictive model solutions, which was enough. Those were the kind of the two big components of the platform. Um, but being able to yeah. grow with us and building kind of MVP at what's just most valuable right now or the minimum viable, like what can we get out right now and still proof of concept yeah. this thing. And they were able to do that with us, which was great because some of the other people we talked to were, you know, their, their price tag was yeah. huge. Wow. Yeah. I, I like the idea of, yeah, it's kind of the idea is, is that we have these fantastic teams, performing teams that have already gelled. And they're ready on the shelf, you know, and you, you take what you need, you know, it's on demand. And I love that. Like a tap. Yeah, right. You know? I'm, I'm not sure the engineer I'm not sure the engineer is gonna like being referred to as a, something that comes out of a tap, but you know. Depends what kind of tap. Excellent. I um Yeah. Wonderful software engineering tap. So in terms of uh obviously, you know, uh, the the business went well, the product went well. Tell us about where you are with it now. What, what, what's happened to the product? We had a, a successful sale, so we sold Woo! the company. <laughs> Yes. Yay. So, um, and IT Labs has been a great partner through that. So they, you know, allow it through the due diligence of being purchased to the transition phase to, you know, the whole thing that I, IT Labs has, couldn't have been a better partner um, through that has, has helped wow. us build this. We, we were able to sell it and has been very supportive throughout that transition. So. Excellent. That sounds oh, that pretty great. good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask a question that Barney, uh, our CEO, is probably going to uh, give me a slap, tight Uh-oh. slap around the head. Luckily, you're quarantined. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With gloves on. Yeah, it has to be with gloves on. So we've heard a lot about things that did work. Where were the challenges with working with a company like IT Labs and the Teams as a service? I was, from my vantage, one of the things, because we were on such a tight budget, and this is where they were willing to be flexible, we were limited in the resources that we could use because our budget was so tiny. So I could only imagine what those programmers had to go through. Like you said, a project manager and a programmer, they're just different kinds of people. And so our, at times, depending on where our investment strategy was, at times we would just have a programmer. So those poor, pro, like the people who had to work with our lack of technical skills and try to, to take yes. what we're saying and, you know, um, but that wasn't an IT labs to me challenge. That was a budgetary challenge on our part, being able to invest in 
it, it, again, it depended on when we had money to invest or not. But from my vantage, it was that you know, working directly just with a programmer was great that they could provide that ability. Now, I'm sure we made some of those programmers very frustrated. Yeah. But they never showed it. Being a, being a software engineer. No, no. I was going to ask you that. Were they polite and, and helpful Absolutely. Uh, about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You know? Yep. And in terms of uh, your lack of, your, your own words, your lack of kind of uh, software engineering uh, skill sets, uh, how did you find presenting that? Uh, how were you treated, I guess? I think we just, we had to, I mean, it, it's hard, it's humbling to sort of trust, you know, and that's what we had to do. We, we had to trust. I mean, thankfully it worked out, uh, but, you know, like we had to trust all the decisions along the way because we just really had no idea. I mean, they would did the best they could, I guess, to help understand trade-offs if we had them. But, um, you yes. know, I, I don't, I personally am a person who doesn't like to be in a position where I don't understand um, something, you know, I'd like, like when I have to take my car to the mechanic, I hate it because I don't understand yes. how the car works. Um, <laughs> yeah. I've learned yes. how to plumb and, and do electricity and that sort of stuff, but I don't, you know, I, I and then, then I'm comfortable outsourcing that, but it, it's quite a um, tough position to be in, but they, they were, they were good throughout. Excellent. That's good. Thank you for that feedback. And uh, and it's an interesting point being um, a, a business agilist. Uh, one of the things I'm very passionate about is uh, uh, agile uh, funding of, of projects as well. And I can imagine that this was a little bit like that. You know, it's you were taking what you could take, you know, kind of thing. Excellent. So you had a, a really good exit. You've sold on the business. It's always beautiful to hear these kind of stories. Um, uh, so what are your aspirations for the future going ahead? I think we want to bring this, you know, this this baby that was born out of the of the, you know, the, the different pieces and bought and bring it to the masses. I mean, we're we're well on our way to doing that. We're trying to basically bring the nonprofit sector the ability to use advanced analytics to improve their fundraising, and we want that to be available to everyone. Beautiful. And is it partic uh, a particular target that you you you're sticking with the? Uh fundraising uh, market or you're hoping to kind of expand out for now <laughs> stick sticking with yes. it perhaps you know but it, it, <laughs> it is amazing i know katie mentioned earlier that like you know it's done in the commercial space where you know there, there is like insurance companies use math all the time but i would say that more, there's a lot of people out there that experience the same issues not everybody is adverse in, in math and data and can interpret it there. And I think that a lot of a lot of trouble is that math and data is explained in numbers and figures and not in the visualization that people like Katie can can bring. And so I think the needs there for, across this, the world. Yes. Yeah. That that sounds good. I um yeah. I, I guess the, the solution you've got is uh, uh, transferable uh, in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's saturated in the commercial space. You know, there there are a lot of big data companies. You know. But I think you're right that the technology and the, the math solution is applicable across many verticals. Yes, that sounds good. Um, any other aspirations? Um, to, to find the vaccine for coronavirus. Yay! <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going right, to solve yeah. that with the Dotatrans team, but... Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've been kind of thinking of ways we could do that. It all seems to come down to uh, this kind of herd herd uh, immunity thing you know we all kind of go out there and get it over and yeah like the Swedes <laughs> of the world we'll see how that works out yeah we'll see we'll see what happens so uh okay so i'm kind of coming towards the end end of the uh end of our time together um so we, 
yeah, I mean, it sounds like a, a pretty excellent success story. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased that IT Labs have been able to kind of offer. To, I'm really pleased for yourselves for 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 what you've created and and uh, you know how well you've done. And um, yeah, any final words? Just a big thank you to for you to you for your time and to IT Labs. And I wish I had looked up. I should know how to say thank you in Macedonian, but ah. I know how to say yes. Da. Da. I would say Dobarden. I think that that was Happy Friday or Happy Afternoon. I don't know. It was good afternoon, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, good <laughs> afternoon, Dobarden. <laughs> I, I know I got a, a few of the team members got a big kick out of my. Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm trying to learn myself at the moment. <laughs> it's, uh, I've only got as far yeah, as yes. That's good. Well, <laughs> as long as you don't even say no, right? <laughs> That, that's no. not. <laughs> I've got that one as well. Well, we couldn't be more thrilled with the partnership. Um, after our exit, we were very happy, and we hope to do it again with IT Labs in the future. Brilliant. Excellent. That's really good to hear. Ben, any, you want to add anything? I uh, just echo the thank you. It's been wonderful working. Ditto. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Thank you both. It's, great being, it's been great. Thank you. Stay you. safe. Okay, and yourself. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun. I love meeting good people and it's great to hear Ben and Katie's success story. I love success stories and I love helping people create them as well. And what's even more fantastic is to hear IT Labs was an integral part of that success. And that's in their own words. It's fascinating to see how some things only come about when the right ingredients are in the mix. Ooh, I feel an analogy coming on. It's a little bit like baking a scrumptious cake, I guess. You need all the right ingredients and all the right amounts at the right time. So watch out, here it comes, a cheeky plug here. If you'd like to sprinkle a little bit of IT Labs into your cake mix for a wonderful baking result, please get in touch. We fight to create a success story for every single one of our clients. Or if you just want to talk and do some confessing and sharing your stories in service of delivering value and wisdom to the CTO community, Get in touch. Email me on tc at itlabs.com. That's T for Tango, C for Charlie, at it-labs.com. So, Ben and Katie, I wish you, we wish you, all the best in the future. And to the audience out there, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels, this podcast series, our newsletter, and not forgetting our webinar series. Links should be found on this podcast page. So in the coming weeks, we have another delightful conversation lined up for you. So don't forget to subscribe. So this is TC Gill, IT Lab's Chief Talking Officer, signing off. Continue to look after each other, be kind to each other, and please keep safe. The CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs.